Thank you, Slim and Malcolm. I know it is, um, it, it's significant to share this space and this role with other people, and um, I'm grateful for that. I've also um, seen some friends this morning and, and coworkers from Baylor and friends from the community and things like that, and so I also want to say, Mosaic, thank you for your ministry here in this community, and thank you for extending the invitation to me to be here and to be with you today. We are going to spend some time um, in this passage in Mark 10, 46 through 52. So um, if you've got a paper Bible, go ahead and keep it open. Um, if you want to pull it up on your phone or any of those kinds of things too, and occasionally there'll be some words on the screen that help you track. But we're going to really just kind of dig deep in this section. Um, I don't know if you could think about a book that has deeply influenced you something that you just love, maybe something you read as a kid or, or have um, read in school or someone has suggested to you, something that has moved you or made you think differently about something. It's a, a book that you read and then tell other people, gosh, you need to read this. We're in a season of life with our 11-year-old and 14-year-old that there's things that we have like nostalgia around and we want our kids to read it and we want to talk about it and they're like, it's, it's not that good, mom and dad. Books, though, have the power to shape us and um, can be things that capture our heart and our imagination, and even more so, this book, which is actually a collection of a whole bunch of other books, but, but the scriptures, the Bible, um, has the ability to shape us, but we got to get spend some time with it, um, and, and in fact, it's a different kind of reading than a lot of other things we read. It's not just reading for content and getting all the words and flipping all the pages and, and, and pushing through, but I think sometimes it helps to slow down and imagine what it would be like to think about the different people who were there in a passage and what the, the setting was and, and, and to let the Holy Spirit work in and through those words that are text on a page to be words alive in your heart that shape you, inform you, and challenge you and push you. There is good stuff in this book. So we're going to spend time with uh, six verses today. This section here in the healing of blind Bartimaeus. It begins with this, they come to Jericho. And one of the things that you have to ask, it starts with like, they came to Jericho. Well, who came to Jericho? Well, the next sentence answers that for us. Um, he and his disciples in a large crowd. Who's he? The Sunday school answer works really well here. Who's he? Jesus. It is. And Jesus and his disciples in this large crowd. Um, Jericho, we're not going to really spend a lot of time there, but make, make you start thinking of some other things. There's other stories where Jericho has been a significant place. Um, might make you think of a song where the walls come tumbling down or one of those kinds of things. But there, they, whatever's happened in Jericho doesn't really matter to the gospel writer here because they came to Jericho and then they're leaving Jericho. They're like in the whole first verse. They're leaving Jericho. What is significant is as they are on their way out of Jericho. And the transformative experience that shows up in this passage happens on the outskirts, on the edge of the city, on the margins. Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd are leaving Jericho. And there is a man there, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, who is a blind beggar, and he's sitting by the roadside. Because if you are a blind beggar, 
this is where you live. This is where you spend your time. You are not inside the city, but outside. You're on the outskirts, on the edges. Because culturally and contextually in this time and place, if you had a a physical condition, an ailment, um, you were seen as unclean, perhaps your sin actually caused that brokenness in your body, and you need to be out there. So Bartimaeus lives out there. Bartimaeus and a whole bunch of other people that have deep and significant needs spent time on the outside, on the margins. This is where we get outcast, the marginalized. This is where these words that we talk about today, they were on the outside of the city. And it is on the outside of the city that Jesus and his disciples in the crowd encounter Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Before we leave that outside idea, I have a middle school daughter. She's 14. And man, we spend a lot of time talking about the outside and the inside. Who is in? Who is included? Who is invited in? Who gets to sit at what lunch table? Who gets pushed out? Who doesn't make the cut? Who's not that cool? That's hard stuff. It shows up in that 14-year-old life. But if I'm really honest, I realize it shows up in this 40-something-year-old life all the time, too. So we might not have people living on the outskirts of the city, but we, in our culture and in our communities all the time, there are people that are in and there are people that are out. And there are things that we do and choices that we make that sort of reinforce that, especially if we're in, because then we feel a little bit better about ourselves and it's a little bit easier if we're not out there. Bartimaeus is one of the people that's out there. And his name even tells us something about that. Uh, The text says Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, which is kind of, it's like a little repetition that's there. Um, In the text, when you see repetition, you should pay attention to it. That's like a big exclamation point. So I started paying attention to this, and you're like, well, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, how was that repetition? Well, son, um, the word in Hebrew is bar. So like Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. It'd be like Mateo, son of Slim. Um, But Mateo has his own name. He's not only defined in his relative nature to, to Slim, but Timaeus like, doesn't even have a first name here. He's just known as son of Timaeus. I don't know if he didn't get a first name. Like he was born and his parents saw him and they were grieved and their hearts were struck and they were like, oh, he's blind, he'll never be in, embraced. And so they just didn't even give him a name. Or maybe they did, but it's been a lot of years And he's been living outside the city for so long, people don't even bother to know what his name is. So he's just that guy, son of Timaeus. He doesn't get the dignity of a full name here. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, this blind beggar sitting by the roadside. The thing about this man, though, while he is outside, while he is uh, largely nameless, while he is often forgotten and overlooked and ignored, He knows who Jesus is because when Jesus and the crowd comes through, he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth and he gets excited and he begins to shout and he starts flailing his arms and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a lot of people that show up in the gospels that have no idea who Jesus is, even when they've been spending time with him. Maybe they've seen him do a miracle or they've heard some stuff about him. 
But in some way, shape, or form, Bartimaeus is dialed in. He's heard the, the rumors of this man who is doing healings, and, and maybe not even just doing healings and miracles, but is also coming to, to redeem and save and, and change the whole world in a way that God has promised for centuries. He knows that Jesus is one to pay attention to, so he calls out to him, have mercy on me. Well, don't you know that when Bartimaeus starts yelling and creating a scene that there's people who are in the crowd, perhaps even some of Jesus' disciples, who walk over to him and they're like, stop. Stop creating a fuss, Bartimaeus. Don't you know we don't have time for this? In fact, we are on our way to Jerusalem. The Gospel of Mark, when you come to this point, it's been like they're moving at a, a clip. The action is moving along and everything is pointing toward Jerusalem. And Jesus has told them, like, we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And there's all these things that are about to happen. We're headed there. They're like, we don't have time to stop. We're on our way into the city. Bartimaeus, be quiet. They, they tell him, uh, they rebuke him. They tell him to be quiet, but he is not deterred. I love it. He like gets even, it's like he gets even louder. He's like, oh, you want to see Rowdy? I'll show you Rowdy. He, he says, um, no, more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. He's crying out for mercy. And, and it would be good to pause here and say like, well, wait, what is mercy? It's one of those churchy words we use a whole lot. Well, what does that mean? Well, mercy is kindness toward the afflicted. It is the desire to help the suffering, to bring some measure of relief. It comes from the word aleos, which is a word that means olive oil, because olive oil would be used in wounds and and to help bring relief to the painful suffering that people would experience in the body. And so he's just calling for mercy. I need a little help here. I am afflicted, I am suffering, and I need you to help me. Well, Jesus stands still. And again, that's a detail not to get lost in the midst of all of this because there have been things that have been moving very quickly, lots of action. They're coming, they're going, they're going into cities, they're coming out of cities, they're on their way someplace. And, and everybody's moving and rushing really fast and, and Bartimaeus is over there yelling, they're telling him to be quiet and then Jesus stops. He stands still, he takes notice, he pays attention. Maybe it's just that he sees Bartimaeus and most everybody else just manages not to even see him when they walk by. But Jesus says, call him here. And so they call him. They call him, uh, they call to the blind man and they say to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And I have to wonder, like, are these the same people that were just over there saying, hush, Bartimaeus, we didn't got time for you. Be quiet, sit down. Stop creating a ruckus. And then they're like, oh, well, Jesus says, okay, come on. Or, or maybe, you know, sometimes in Jesus's followers, you've got people who, um, who are out there and, and who uh, like things to be neat and orderly. And they're the ones that were telling Bartimaeus, shh, be quiet. And then there's those other ones who are like, um, somebody needs help. I will help. I want to help. And, and it was like a different group of Jesus's followers that were like more disposed towards um, Bartimaeus and his suffering and I don't know, because let's be honest, the church is kind of like that. We got all of us in here, and sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we don't. And, and yet, if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I realize that I have been both of those people. Shh, I don't have time for that. That's too big of a problem to solve. I don't have the resources for that. We got to do this other thing that I know how to do or, or, or that I think we can tackle. And, 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 you know, stop getting us off track. We got to keep going. 
Or worship is only supposed to be X number of minutes long and we got to wrap up on time. And so we don't have time for the Holy Spirit to move and do that kind of stuff. We got to keep going. And then sometimes I find myself like, oh yeah, whoever Jesus wants to help, I want to help. Those are the better days. I want more of those kind of days. So they go to him and they say, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And so Bartimaeus does something extraordinary here, a detail that you could almost miss entirely. But Bartimaeus throws off his cloak, he springs up, and he comes to Jesus. This is a, this is a, like a, an arrow toward the fact that Bartimaeus is expecting a miracle. He is expectant here. He is expecting something to be totally different in, in the next few minutes than they were all of the years prior. Because when he throws off his cloak, when he takes it off and he throws it on the ground, one thing that he's doing is he's like being vulnerable by taking off his outer garment, the thing that brought him protection and warmth and some measure of safety from the world out around him. But not only that, he's like throwing it down. I don't know how much time you've spent in close proximity to somebody who is blind, who cannot see or cannot see well, but people who are blind are not willy-nilly with their possessions. They don't just drop them or leave them anywhere or cast them aside. People know, this is where I left it. This is how many steps it is from my bed to my dresser. This is the side of the dresser that I put that thing. Because if you can't just use your eyes, you can't be careless with your belongings. You need to know where you've left it so you can get back when you need it. But Bartimaeus doesn't seem to care or believe that he's going to need his cloak again. Or that if he's going to need his cloak again, in fact, he'll be able to use his eyes to see to go get it when he needs it. So he throws off his cloak and he springs up and he comes to Jesus. And then Jesus says to him, he asks him a question. And this is so significant. This is a significant question for Bartimaeus, but also for all of us. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And you have to ask, well, why does Jesus say this? Why does he ask this question? Bartimaeus has been shouting for mercy. He's told us kind of what he needs. He's also, um, he's blind and he's poor. Many of Bartimaeus' needs are on display and clear and evident to other people. Why does Jesus ask him? Jesus, the one who probably could actually know what was going on in Bartimaeus' head and in his heart. Why does he ask? Maybe because it's offering the dignity of asking him, what do you want me to do for you? I'm not just gonna sweep in and project that I know what your needs are and then take care of your needs. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna give you the honor and the dignity of being able to give voice to what you want and what you need. And so he asks Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus answers. When Jesus asks him this question, it is modeling something for us it is reminding us that when we um, experience needs in our, in our family, in our community, in our world, um, it is helpful to ask the people that have needs what they are or what they need or what they want, um, rather than just sort of assuming that it's the thing that you can perceive. I work at Baylor, as Slim said, and I was actually at a, student, a meeting of student leaders yesterday and was sharing um, about planning service and how it is important to be able to ask questions, especially of our nonprofit partners in the community, to honor them by saying, how can we serve 
How can we serve you? How can we participate in your mission and vision? How can we use our resources to support what you're doing rather than what sometimes happens, especially at this point in the semester, which is like, we have this commitment to serve. We're going to do X number of service hours. I have all these people. They need to get their hours in. And so we're going to just uh, figure out if this is the date we can go and these are the hours you can, we can go. And so we're going to show up and do what we need to do. And like our need to serve then all of a sudden overrides and trumps the needs of the people who were, who were working in that area. And so I was just encouraging our students, like, hey, we got to slow down a little bit. To be a good partner, we need to ask, like, what, how can we work together? What can I do for you? Is there a way we can serve you and bless you? And then I went home and I was thinking, well, gosh, sometimes we do that in the church, too. We just kind of come up with the thing that we think needs to happen and we just do it. And sometimes, frankly, that happens to me personally, too. I think there's power in remembering this question and asking others, what do you want me to do for you? And then listening as they answer. Jesus asks Bartimaeus this question, and his answer is, teacher, let me see. He calls him teacher, um, but he calls him rabbi. So when he does that, he's not just saying, hey, this man I've heard about. He's also like pointing towards a relationship that he intends to have a relationship with Jesus, that it's not just a transactional encounter, just do one good thing for me, but it's, it's like saying, I want to learn from you. And not only am I going to ask you to heal me and let me see, but I, I, want, I want to be one of your students. Teacher, let me see again. So then Jesus said to him, uh, go, your faith has made you well in a moment, in a word. You know, there's plenty of times in scripture where um, Jesus, you know, touches uh, mud and puts it on somebody's face or he reaches out a hand and he touches and the power comes through some sort of physical act. And here, just in a word, the power of Jesus's word transforms this man's life. Go, your faith has made you well. It also is something beautiful and honoring about the faith that Bartimaeus had, that he would be made well, that he could be made well, that Jesus was the one who could make him well. He immediately, he gains his sight, and then he doesn't go. He follows him on the way. He goes where Jesus is going. He jumps in with the crowd, and he's like, hey, I'm all in, and even on to Jerusalem, I'm with you in this. Bartimaeus is now part of the journey He's no longer on the sides, on the outskirts, on the, on the margin, but he's part of the community of the Jesus followers, those who have been healed and redeemed and marked and changed and saved. And when you experience that kind of transformation, there's nowhere you'd rather be. You know, there are so many things in this passage that are good news that can and should shape us. There's reminders of things like faith can make us well. And not faith uh, just in like magic or superstition or a simple fix or like if I just believe enough, Jesus is going to do exactly what I need for him to do or want for him to do. Because sometimes being made well doesn't exactly look like we think it would. Sometimes it's not um, physical recovery or cure. Sometimes to be made well and to be healed is a kind of peace and strength and resilience and testimony and presence of Christ with us in our suffering 
that is endurable and is in fact gets bent toward the good of God things rather than the breaking of our lives. Jesus pronounces uh, Bartimaeus's wellness. He declares it. He makes it happen. It is Jesus who heals and faith brings us into the conversation. And this is a conversation that we are invited into. This is good news. It is for us to share, to invite other people to know, to hear, to experience. Mark reminds us that we can be like those Jesus followers who kind of hush everybody or, or, or want everybody kind of in their place or coming to Jesus just like we expect them to or, or to not be rowdy, but instead be very polite and pull together when you come to Jesus. Or we can be like the ones who just encourage and assist those who are calling out for mercy. The other thing in this passage is that this question that Jesus asks Bartimaeus is also for us. Maybe some of you need to spend a few minutes with that question. Jesus stands before you. He calls you to himself and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What would you answer? What do you say? Some of you may know exactly how you would answer Jesus. Because it is the prayer that you pray each day. It is the longing of your heart. It is, the, it is the hurt that you carry that you are like, Jesus, I need your mercy here. But sometimes we get so focused on other things. We get focused on the needs of others. We're seeking to do good and bless others or take care of people that depend upon us. And we lose track of our own need for healing. Oh, you're asking me, Jesus? Or maybe we have eyes to see the broken things in front of us. We can tell Jesus where he needs to get to work. But we then neglect our own broken hearts, our broken bodies, our broken habits, our broken patterns. Sometimes I think that I just am running so fast and so preoccupied and have so much noise in my head that I wouldn't know what to say if Jesus asked me that question. I get kind of out of touch with myself. Not really sure what I want or need, Jesus. Maybe it's that you think maybe the things I want are inconsequential. Maybe they don't really matter. Or just that in you, you have that deep yearning to like want the right things. You know what I mean? Like you'd want to ask for the thing that really mattered. You're not totally sure what that is. Spending some time with this question letting it wash over in your head. If Jesus said, yeah, come on, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? But the thing is, is it's not just imagining. This isn't just what if, imagining that this could be about us, that we could be one of the people in the story. Because it is our story. It's different than another work of literature where you're uh, uh, imagining what it's like to be in some other world or some other place. This is God's story of action in the world. And, and things happened then and they happen now. And, and the story exists in the pages of scripture because the Holy Spirit takes those words and does things in the lives of the followers who are part of this community here and now and yet to come. And God will use this story to write your story. Jesus does invite you, call you to come to him. Jesus does ask you what you need, what you want. 
Jesus does extend mercy and heal and make people well and make us whole. Sometimes it's in an instant and sometimes it's over a whole lifetime and probably won't even be wholly fulfilled until Jesus comes back or we are in eternity with him. But he heals. We can trust that. We have testimony of brothers and sisters around us that point toward it. So I pray that you would meet Jesus in the reading of this great text. This passage, but all, all the stuff in there. Some of it's harder to wrestle with than others. But that you would find your life shaped and formed by this most incredible book. May the Lord extend to you mercy and lead you on the way of being mercy bearers in this world. Would you pray with me?